0: James chapter 1, I'm going to start in verse 19, and then we'll go to chapter 2, and then we'll skip to chapter 4, and so just follow along as we read these passages together. James 1, 19 through 25 uh, says, My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen and slow to speak, slow to become angry, for man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. Chapter 2, verse 14. What good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith, but no deeds? Can such faith save him? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food, if one of you says to him, go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about his physical needs. What good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by what I do. You believe that there is one God, good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. You foolish man, Do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our ancestor Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and actions were working together and his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God and it was credited as righteousness and he was called God's friends. You see that a man is justified by what he does and not by faith alone. In the same way, was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction. As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. And finally, uh, chapter 4, verse 17. It says this, Anyone then who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it, sin's. So, we've talked about refocusing our lives and what they need to be about. First and foremost, as is, is Christians, Christ's followers, um, we should be known for, for loving God. That should, that should be like when people see us, they, they, should, they should remark to themselves, wow, that person is really in love with God. Like, like our lives just, just kind of spill that out. I mean, we, we, we should, we should in, a, in a pleasant way, the aroma of Christ, we should smell. They should, they should be around us and go, wow, something's different about them. So first and foremost, we should give ourselves to loving God. That should be our greatest passion in life, our greatest aim. But, but second, coming under that, because of that, then we should also love one another. We should, we should love our neighbor, right? And we, we looked at that. And loving your neighbor is difficult and it's uncomfortable because it costs us something. Because we've got to stop pursuing our own desires and take the time to put somebody else's needs above our own. And that hurts, and nobody likes to hear that. But, but, but Jesus says this is the second greatest commandment, second greatest thing in all of your life you can do is this. Love people. That's it. Love God and love people. These, these are the things your life should be about. And then coming under those because of those two actually is our third thing. And the third thing that we need to refocus on, I believe wholeheartedly, is, is just becoming people of action. It's what the book of James is about. It's a call to action, actually doing something because of what we believe. Actually doing something because of who we have put our faith in, because faith and love are verbs. They're not nouns. They're verbs. They're action words. So this morning, I just want to share three things with you very quickly, and and we'll be done. I, I warn you in advance. Kind of like when you go to SeaWorld, you might be in the splash zone, right? There, there, there's an interaction uh, portion of the sermon, and you'll know it when we get to it. And I expect full audience participation, and I will call you out if you're not, okay? So be prepared. Just, just get ready. You'll have to excuse me. I got a little throat thing going on this morning. <clears throat> Here's the first thing I want you to see according to our text, okay? Number one, when we fail to act in faith and love, we forget who we are in Christ and why we were saved. When we fail to act in faith and love, we actually forget who we are and why we are saved. This is James 1, 22 through 25. It says, do not merely listen to the word, and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but doesn't uh, do what it says is like a man who looks in his face in a mirror, and after looking at himself, he goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he's heard, but doing it, he'll be blessed in what he does. Now, I don't know about you, but I read those three verses, I read that little section of Scripture, and the second half makes great sense to me, right? If you actually look at the law, if you you study the Bible, the Word of God, and you do it, you're going to be blessed. And that just makes perfect sense, right? Because there is a God, He created everything, including us, I I mean, He made it all, so He kind of, He has the instruction manual, right? And so He gives us instruction. He says, here's how you should live, and if you do this, because I made it all, I'm telling you what's best, my ways are higher than your ways, my thoughts are better than your thoughts, okay? And so... So check this out. If you do it my way, you're going to be blessed. Like, that makes sense to me. I get that, right? Because I look at my kids all the time, and I'm like, well, you just need to trust Dad, right? I've been there. I've done that. I'm telling you, do it this way, okay? It's going to be better for you. I'm going to go do it my way. No, so, like, I get that if I do it God's way, I'm going to be blessed. That makes sense to me. But the first part of those verses, like, I, I, I can't wrap my mind around. What do you mean look in a mirror and not know who you are? And then all of a sudden, it hit me. You know what? I, as a Christian, I do that all the time. Because I, I come to church, I, I come to a worship service, and I, I hear God tell me who I am, and then I walk out the doors and I suddenly forget who I am. See, this is all about Ephesians 2.10, right? This is what Paul would write in Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. And, and you link that up with Ephesians 2, uh, 8 and 9, right? For it is by grace that you've been saved through faith. And this is a gift of God, not by works so that no one could boast. And we come to understand that we, we were saved and then we were created in Christ to do something. To, to do good works, not just to say something, but to actually do something. And, and when we don't act out of love and we don't act upon our faith, then we actually fail to live up to the purpose for which we were created in Christ. And we wonder why so many of us walk around feeling like there's more to life. There's got to be more than this. There is. There's so much more than this. We were created in Christ to do something, not just to believe something. So we got to start there, okay? The Bible's not just good inspiration. It's good application. When we fail to act in faith and love, we forget who we are in Christ and why we're saved. Okay, number two according to the text here in James, would you see this, our faith and our actions should be working together. Okay, our faith and our actions should be working together. If I kind of came at you with one hand, you could easily guide that one hand away. When I put my two hands together, uh, they're they're stronger, right? They're supposed to be working together. And so uh, here in our text, we have this great example of of Abraham in verse uh, 22 of chapter 2. It says, you see, uh, that his faith, speaking of Abraham, when he was willing to offer up sack, you see that his faith and his actions were working together. It goes on to say that Abraham's faith was made complete by what he did. It was perfected. It was fulfilled. And what that means is that his faith would have been lacking if he hadn't been willing to act upon what God called him to do. Not just lacking, according to verse 26, his faith wouldn't have actually been faith. It would have been dead if he was not willing to act upon it. Now here's the deal. This is faith, right? Hebrews eleven one. okay? Faith is, is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we we don't see. And and, and then um, Hebrews 11, one, uh, 2 says, uh, this is what the ancients were commended for. And then it goes on to list the ancients. And you know what it lists? It doesn't list their names, just their names, but it, it lists what they did. It says, These are the, the greatest men and women of faith in Hebrews chapter 11. And let me tell you what they did. Like, like their names are recorded. Like, God draws special attention to their lives, not because of what they said, but because, not not because of what they believed, but because they acted, they did something because of what they believed. And therefore, God says, they're, they're, they're to be highly esteemed. You should remember them forever. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. And, and, and so, their their faith wasn't just something they believed, but something they acted on. And there's a huge lesson there for us, that their faith and their actions work together. Because here's what I find most Christians that I know, including myself, we err on one side or the other, right? So, and, and a lot of that has to do with spiritual giftedness and kind of how God has designed you. Um, so some of the people in this room, you have the spiritual gift of faith, okay? So I, I, I have it, so let me talk to you for a second. So um, uh, if, if you're that guy or that girl, uh, you kind of just just believe God is, is sitting on his throne and he's good and he's going to work all things out. And I'm like, yeah, that's biblical, that sounds great, that's right? Right? Okay? The problem is that because of that, because of that faith, you're just like, well, it's all going to work out. You you take that as an excuse to not do anything. Well, God's got it. right? You know these people. Well, God's got it. God's going to take care of it. Well, yes, God is going to take care of it because he, he's great and he's big and he's mighty, but he's also invited you into his story and he actually expects you to do something. And and, and so, so here's what I want you to write down. Write this down somewhere on a sheet of paper or on your forehead, whatever, on uh, your arm. Uh, Because you need to hear this. If you're that person that you are just created, you have this gift of faith, you need to write this down. Ready? God's power and ability is not an invitation for you to be a bystander. You're right. God is powerful and God is able and he can do more than we could ever think or imagine. But his power and his ability is not an invitation for you to be a bystander. He's invited you into the story and he expects you to do. You've been created in Christ to do something. Not just to believe something. God's power and ability is not an invitation for us to be bystanders. So that's that's one side that we err in faith Okay, the other side is some of us error in works because that's what we're more comfortable with, right? We are, we are doers and we like to produce. And so we just do and do and do and we do because nobody else will do and we do because it makes us feel good and we do and we do and we do, and we do because we are created to be do. We have the spiritual gift of service and so we are doers by golly. The only problem like the church of Ephesus a lot of times we continue to do things and we do it without absolute love for God. We do it out of the wrong motivation. We don't do it because we love people, Right? Huge problem with this, in, in mainline churches, uh, mainline churches in the '60s and '70s um, began to be really focused on on some good things. They began to be be, be focused on on societal issues, right? We call it the the, the social uh, the the social gospel, um, and, and so a lot of, a lot of people during that time, uh, during the social gospel movement. Um, They were doing good things. They were feeding homeless and they were taking care of sick and poor and orphans and and all really good, important things. The only problem is that in doing that, they forgot why they were doing it. And they stopped teaching uh, these people that that, that ultimately it wasn't just about meeting their physical needs, but there was a God that wanted to meet their spiritual needs and that people had been separated um, from God because of their sin. And God was holy and just and righteous. And so God himself became man and died on the cross so there could be reconciliation. And so the social gospel movement took off and and churches became all about it, but they forgot the gospel, which is that God is seeking people. And and through the costly sacrifice of his son, he's made a way that we can be made right with God. And so so you can't have one without the other. They're, They're meant to go hand in hand. We do the same with the discipleship movement. Huge discipleship movement. Baptists are really guilty of that sometimes. We've got to go and make disciples. We're the great commission team now, right? We're going to go and make disciples. And we are called to go and make disciples. But hear me, you can't make a disciple if you don't love God with everything that you are. You make a Pharisee, not a disciple. So we've got to love, we, we, God has to be the most important thing in our lives. And then we go, and then, and then we don't go make disciples yet. No, then we go love people. And when you go love people that don't love you, one of two things happens. They either kill you, or they look at you and say, what is wrong with you? Why would you love me when I hate you? And then you make disciples. Then you make disciples, right? And here's our error. We, we end up on one side or the other. We either have great faith or, or we're, we, we have great works. But the Bible says our faith and our works have to be joined together, right? I shared this with some people about our church and, and kind of the season that we're headed into. We believe wholeheartedly. Um, next month, 18 acres of land paid off. Hallelujah. Praise Jesus. Amen? Right? 18 acres. Dude, that was supposed to take five years. God did it less than two. Right? God's just good that way. He's provider. Okay? For people that don't believe, um, and, and, and her question was, well, is God really leading us to build crazy thing? Yesterday morning, somebody knocked on my door, pastor of another church, knocked on my door, said, listen, I don't know where your people are, but I'm going to tell you that uh, God's put it on my heart. I believe in you guys, and, and I believe in you so much, and our church believes in you so much that we want to um, give towards, towards when you build a new building. Here's $10,000 from another church, right? Here's ten grand. So we believe in you. We believe in what God is doing, right? And so I just want to be honest. With you. So I believe wholeheartedly, I'm going to say that unabashedly, that God is leading us. I mean, the way he's paid off the land, I think at some point we will be on that land. I believe that wholeheartedly, right? But here's the deal. We're going to have two camps of people because of our spiritual giftedness. Because some people have the spiritual gift of faith, and some people have the spiritual gift of service, and some are faith-filled, and some are doers. And so here's what's going to happen. There's going to be one group faith-filled that says, we just need to go build a new church, no matter what it takes, and everything will be fine. All the people will come, and we'll make disciples, and we'll love people. Uh, Well, you better start loving people now, brother. Right? Because we don't know when Jesus is coming back. We don't know when foundation is going to be laid. I don't know when a roof is going to be on. I don't know what rooms are going to look like. We have no idea what that looks like. But I, I do know that God says the second greatest thing in your whole life should be loving people, and you better do it now. Right, so so you, you, the faith in the future. That's right. You got to step out in faith. But then here's the other group. The other group is going to say, "Well, well, Pastor, before we can do any of that, don't you think that we need to fill up every single pew? And don't you think we should be sitting on top of people? I mean, in Africa, come on, they they have church under a tree. We should be sweating in this place is what we should be doing. I mean, we should be so packed, people be saying, well, "I'm sorry, we live in America, not Africa. That's not how we work. We like to have a little space next to us in the pew, don't we? Right? Got to have a little. little Rodney's got he's got, the, he's got the sideways." thing going, right? I mean, I got to be able to stretch out a little bit. I'm a big man, all right? So, so, so here's what I'm, I'm going to say to those people. I'm going to say this in love, right? I'm going to say, listen, you're absolutely right. We have to start loving God with everything that we are, and we have to start loving people. We got to start loving that now, but we cannot say that we're going to wait until we become that kind of person until we pursue the things that God is calling us to. We've got to do both at the same time. We've got to have faith that God is leading us. We've got to continue to step out in faith. We've got to continue to walk. And we have to work at being the men and women that God has called us to be. Because the church is not about a building. It's about a bunch of individuals that have been saved by their king. His name is Christ. That's how they're called Christians. And so individually, we work and we pray and we believe and we continue to follow hard after God. And it works together. That's the kind of faith that the ancients were commended for. Last thing I'll share with you and I'll be done. According to James chapter 4 verse 17. When we fail to act out our love for God and for others, we sin. Anyone then who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it sins. Anybody that knows that they are called to love God and to love people, but doesn't love God and love people is a sinner. They're missing the mark. Anybody that goes to church and carries the namesake Christ, but doesn't actually love people is missing the mark. Anybody that doesn't do something because of, of the great commandments, loving God and loving anybody that's not actively living those out is missing the mark. They sin according to James 4.17. That verse haunts me. I just confess to you, I'm the chief of sinners here this morning. Remember Revelation 2, Christ's words to the church in Ephesus. They were doing great things. They were excellent. Yet he held this against them. They had sinned. That's what sin is. It's missing the mark. It's missing the mark. And and, and when we understand we're called to action and we don't act, then we're sinning. That's who who we're going to be. And so, I, I don't know about you, but I'd like to avoid that, if at all possible, because I believe that love is a verb. And so, so, follow me here. If we love God um, with all that we are, right, that means it looks something like we're probably going to spend time with Him. We're going to view Him as the greatest gain. We're going to see everything that we have in our life as is, is a gift from His hand. Um, we're we're, we're going we're, we're to love being in His presence, like, worshiping Him. Like, we're going to do that, right? I mean, that's loving God. So, let me, because, because love is a verb, i got to ask this question, then. Ready? First church on your priority list? I don't care about your tithe. I don't care about what you give at this point. Where, where's, where's, where's walking into the, the, the communal presence of God on your priority list? That's what church is. It's loving God. It's an expression of love for God. It's when we do that as community together. I'm telling you, that if, if, if you love God, if he's first, right? then that's got to be real high priority for your family. Like, that should be the pinnacle of what our week is going to. Like, crummy week, man. Kids threw up in every bed. They, they, they then took the threw up and put it in their underwear and stuck it on their head. Um, they were shooting jello through their nose at each other. I mean, whatever. You know, Cocoa Puffs on the wall, and we didn't think they were Cocoa Puffs. And, and I mean, whatever your week looks like, like, most ridiculous week ever, and in the midst of the ditch, you should say, thank God Sunday's coming. Thank, thank God Sunday is coming because I need some, some other Jesus followers to rub up on me. I need some iron to sharpen me because I'm at my wit's end. I, I need to be surrounded by some people that are celebrating Jesus in the midst of life's difficulties because I know that's what I'm called to do and I'm struggling to do it. That's what church is about. So is it a priority? Like, What about Bible study? Like, If loving God is the, the thing that you should be known for, are, are, you, are you reading his word? Because you're not, that's how you, to love somebody, you have to know them. So God's, God's, God's revealed himself here. How's that going? What about, what about private worship? Not even corporate worship. What about private worship? What about you and your car? You know what I'm saying? Are, are you listening to political stuff? Like, are you listening to Fox News and you think the whole world's going to come to an end? Or, or put on K Love for crying out loud. Put on 105.9. Unroll your windows and testify. Because that's an option in traffic. By the way, when you do it, keep your eyes open, at least one of them, and one hand on the wheel. You cannot love God and not act on it, and you cannot love people and not act on it. To know what you are called to do and not to do it is sin. So what do we do? What do we do? I'll tell you, we've got to be focused on, on, on becoming people that don't just say the right thing. I'll just tell you that right now. We can't just be Christians that have the right answers. We've got to be Christians that respond the right way. We have to become people of action, okay? So here's where I want to start. I want to start by reminding you who you are. And so uh, first, first little passage, we here's the first thing I want you to do when you get to application, okay? I want you to take a good look in the mirror. Let's take a good look in the mirror. Now, I'm going to go back with you. I want to, I want to walk you through this. Says, verse 22, James 1, Do not merely listen to the word, and so to see yourself, do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror. After looking at himself, he goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. Here's what we're going to do. Interaction. Ready? Everybody take out their phone. Let's do it. Now, my older folks, if you don't have a phone that has a camera, you brought in a landline with you, I understand... Take out the compact, whatever. Even the flip phones, they have a camera. It may have like half a megapixel on it, something. You know, it's kind of like the Fisher-Price things, whatever. It's going to be good. I want you to take out your camera, ready? So, so uh, take out your phone. This is not optional, by the way. Get out your phone. If you've got to get up or open your purse, get out your phone, ready? So I'm getting my phone out. All right, so then you find the camera option. I don't care if it's Instagram, whatever. Get out your phone, son. yo, oh, you left it in the car. I Don't think because you're bigger than me. I'm afraid. I ain't afraid. Holy Spirit. Psh. All right, so here's here's what we're gonna do. So um, you're gonna get out your phone. Now you're gonna open the camera. Act. Now I'm gonna freak some of you out because you always thought you could only take pictures of other people, but up in the top right hand corner there's a little camera. It's got a little switchy doo. So you're gonna click on the camera and suddenly you're gonna look at your own mug. In the, ooh, Eesh. I got it. Um. All right, so now you're looking at yourself. Ready? We are going to tell, take a selfie in church. Wait, now some of you have never taken a selfie, so I need to explain some things. All right, number one, we do not take selfies from down here. Okay, it's not it, it, everybody looks like they have a double chin, and I just we don't we don't take selfies from down low. Okay, we also don't take selfies from right on. Louanne, you don't have that right either. This is not this is not attractive. The teens have taught us when you take a selfie, you always hold it up as high as you can, right? And you smile, right? I'm going to get you guys in the background, ready? Oh, that's awesome, okay? And you smile, and then you push a button. All right, there we go. So you've now taken a selfie. Congratulations. We've started a new trend in your life. Um, All right, now listen, hold on. This is interactive. I need you to do this. Now, don't look at your neighbor right now. Don't look at their picture. I want you to look at your picture. Because we're going to take a good long look in the mirror for a second. So if you're a couple and you had to take it together, that's cool. You can look at it together. All right, everybody look, look at your phone, look at your picture for a second. And here's what I want, you to, I want you to ask yourself these questions. Ready? Shh. What do you see? In that picture, who do you see? Do you see somebody that loves God? In that picture, do you see somebody that loves God? In that picture, do you see a servant of Christ? In that picture, do you see somebody that really genuinely loves other people? Or do you see somebody that typically judges other people? In that picture, what do you see? Take a a good long look. Because here's the problem, guys. So often we come into the presence of God and we hear God proclaim over us who we are and what we are and we walk away and we forget who we are in Christ. So this morning we're going to do a little activity. Oh, by the way, it's not over yet. We're going to do a little activity for those of you that have social media so that you can remember who you are in Christ because this is what Jesus says, ready? According to, to God's word, we were saved to do good things. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to take that picture I want you to go ahead, go ahead, and you can do it right now in service. You can upload it, upload it to Instagram, Facebook, wherever you want to. If you've got Foursquare, you can do it all at one time, right? So uh, wherever, wherever you want to upload it to, Instagram, Facebook, go ahead. But here's, here's the deal. I want you to put this hashtag on it. Now, older people, a hashtag is what we used to call the pound sign, okay? It's no, there's no longer a pound sign. It is now a hashtag, and that's what it is. But go, come on, I want to see activity, like, okay? So we're going to upload it. We're going to upload it right now. We're going to upload it to Facebook or to Instagram. And here's the hashtag I want you to put on it. Ready? I just want you to write this down. Saved to do something good. Saved to do. Because you've been saved. And and, and this is what the Bible says. You are God's workmanship. You are created in Christ Jesus. Get this. To do good things. Jesus saved you to do good things. He saved you to change people's lives. He saved you in order to use you. That's who you are. And you've got to nail that down. You're not who the enemy says you are. You're not a failure. You're not a fraud. You're not a phony, though sometimes you may fail. No, you've been set apart by Christ to do something to change the world. One life at a time. Save to do something good. Hashtag you can do hashtag Ephesians 2.10. Okay, I just want you to upload that. and People are going to look at your feed and be like, what the heck is going on with all these people and their pictures? And it will be good. It'll be good. So we start there. I want you to take a long look in the mirror. No, no, number two, ready? Number two, coming out of that, coming out of that, I want to challenge you this week to do something daily, right? Because to know what you should do and not do it is sin. You know you're supposed to love God with everything that you are. So here's it do something daily out of love for God, right? So maybe that looks like setting the alarm a little early so you can get up and pray when it's quiet. Maybe, maybe that's it. Maybe it's going outside and, and, and getting up so you can watch the sunset with a cup of coffee because I've got to have some coffee at that point in the day. And, and sitting out and enjoy And as the sun comes up, you just praise Jesus say, God, you are so good. Your mercies endure forever. Your mercies endure. Maybe, maybe this is it. maybe Maybe, guys, your challenge this week is as you walk out of the house, you grab one of the pictures off your wall and you take it with you to work. And all day at work, you put it on your desk and you look at the gifts that God has given you. You look at your wife and your children and you tell God, thank you all day long. Maybe it's, it's, it's turning off Fox News in your car and turning on K-Love and, 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 and telling God, thank you. Maybe one of my favorites is, is just in the quietness of night, I'll stay up past everybody else, put everybody to bed. Everybody stops finally saying my name and I will just get on my face before the Lord. Saw my face and just say, God, I love you. God, I love you. God, please use a broken, wretched sinner like me. Right? Just love God. Do something daily to love God. All right. You got it? This is yes. This is yes. This is no. I'm still stuck on trying to upload a photo to Facebook. Okay. Alright, so you got it? Yes? Do something daily. I'm gonna do something to what? Love God. Every day. Every day. This is my, my goal. Now, what happens if you if you fail one day? What happens? Are you a failure and a wretch and it's over? No, every day. So his mercies are new every day. So the next day, you get up and say, well, I kind of blew that one yesterday. I'm going to do better today. Every day, I'm going to love God. Okay, here's the other challenge. I'm done. Number three, I want you to do something daily this week to love others. This week, look for little things that you can do every day this week to love other people. And I'm not even talking about witnessing. I mean, it'll be a witness when you love somebody. I'm not saying you gotta know the the whole gospel and the Roman road, and you gotta go share Christ with them. I'm just saying go love somebody. Go find a genuine need this week and meet it every day. Try that, right? Say, Pastor, that sounds hard. It's not hard. 90-second phone call. Do you know what that'll do for somebody's day? 90 seconds. Can I I tell you, I went Friday to the middle school to pray, or not to the middle school, to Elgin Elementary, who we're adopting, and I'll get into that in a second, uh, to pray with teachers, Right? Cool prayer time. Uh, ninety seconds. Angel said, "Hey, um, I've got a friend here, who just lost her sister. Could you pray with her?" Took ninety seconds of my day, man. Ninety seconds of my day, and this woman's just crying in my arms, and I'm like, Whoa! "Now I'm a I'm a big crier." Ninety seconds. Took ninety seconds to pray with somebody. To take ninety seconds, pick up the phone, go, "Hey, I was thinking about you. I just want to tell you I think you're awesome. I'm so glad that God has put you in my life. You're an encouragement to me." I hope you have a great day. God loves you. I love you. Thank you for being in my life. Bam. You just took somebody's day that they woke up and they were in the ditch and they were struggling and you just totally flipped it on its head. That person is going to go, gosh, that was awesome. Gosh, that was awesome, right? You're in line at the checkout counter, right? At H-E-B because you stopped at five o'clock. Your mistake, right? Uh-huh. You should know by now you better be there at three or at seven, five o'clock. That's rush hour. So you're there at five o'clock and instead of standing in line, going God, this stupid line, I wish I hired another run. What if you just, the other person in front of you, they finally get up and they're getting ready to pay and you just step up and go, actually, ma'am, would you just add their groceries to my tab and you just look at the person, God bless you, have an awesome week. Right? Now I know that's gonna, it's costly, pastor, that's costly. and I mean, that, that could cost me an extra hundred bucks, could, best hundred bucks you'll spend all week. Promise you. Promise you. That's probably better than date night right there. You go home, husbands, tell your wife, listen, I'm sorry, we can't go on a date this week. I spent that $100, I spent it on somebody and bought their groceries. They're not going to look at you and shake a fist. You say, wow, that's pretty cool. do the same thing when you're paying for gas, right? You write a card, you drop an email. Guys, there are a million things you can do in this world to make somebody's life better. A million things. Just look. What, your neighbor's yard a little out of control? Wait until they go to work and go mow it. Don't tell them who did it. Just, just mow it. just love somebody. Make somebody's life better, right? Make somebody's life better. Do something daily to make a difference, okay? I'm going to give you one key that's going to help you this week, and you don't have to write it down, but here it is. It's just kind of a challenge. You will find a lot more opportunities to love people rightly this week if you do this one thing, ready? I didn't give it to the early service. I forgot. Here you go. Practice saying Yes. That's it. Full-time job, people, right? That includes raising kids. Ladies, you better be raising your hand. Some of you got more kids than I do, uh, which is saying something. Full-time, full-time job, right? Get home. want my weekend. I want my time. I'm tired. I'm worn out. My son comes to me and says, hey, Daddy, can we, put, can we throw the football outside? Will you play a game of football with us? I'm like, oh really don't feel like yes yes i will come home my daughter looks at my daddy can we have a tea party hmm honey last time you had a tea party you took toilet water and you tried to serve it you guys heard the story you know what yeah baby we can have a tea party it's been a long day daddy's stressed out i would love to have a tea party with you hey honey could we go out to eat tonight instead of cook yeah yeah we can right can we do this? Yeah. I, I challenge you. Say, say yes. Yeah, you will be amazed. And here's the deal. You're going to say yes, and you'll be like, I'm already overcommitted. I don't know where we got this thought that we needed me time. Have you ever, like, read, I mean, Jesus did withdraw to pray. He did. And you, you need to have some time to withdraw and pray. But he didn't sit in front of the TV all day. Didn't. He wasn't on his iPad. Right? I'm just telling you, he, he was not on his iPhone wasn't on Facebook, wasn't surfing through Instagram, he was serving people and loving people, say yes and just see what happens. I promise you'll find opportunities this week to do this, okay? Pray with me if you don't.